Good evening. Um, my name is Jim Shedden. I'm the manager of publishing at the AGO, and I'm also the uh, co-curator of Guillermo del Toro at Home with Monsters exhibition. Um, we welcome you here, acknowledging that we are gathered on Mississauga territory, on land that has been home to the Anishinaabe, uh, Haudenosaunee, Haudenosaunee, and Wendat through time. Um, when we first uh, conceived this series, the idea was uh, masters of horror, to engage people uh, who would not be part of the exhibition already, but to ex extend what we were doing there uh, because of the, uh, of the great opportunities that the horror genre enabled us. So we already had Peaches, and uh, this week, Diamanda Gallus. And the idea that the third person in that series would be uh, R.L. Stein is absolutely amazing, that, this, that somehow um, with Del Toro and everybody in that show, these artists hang together and are, of course, completely different. Um, so it shows the breadth of the horror, of horror as a genre. Um, R.L. Stein is, in fact, a pen name for Robert Lawrence Stein, who I, I've sort of discovered tonight goes by Bob Stein, um, who had a career from the mid-1960s through the uh, mid-1980s writing comedy for publication, film, and broadcast, almost always for kids, I guess always for kids and teens. Um, since 1986, I think it's safe to say that Stein has become the most prolific writer of horror for children and teens, or the most prolific writer of horror, maybe. Um, I mean, I know you'd have to count the words, and then Stephen King would win probably, but uh, uh, in terms of uh, volumes, you know, uh, he sold over 400 million books, most of them in the extremely well-known and delightful series uh, Goosebumps, which everybody knows, Fear Street, which everybody knows, <laughs> uh, Rotten School, um, The Nightmare Room, and my favorite title of any, of, of any series or of anything ever, uh, Mostly Ghostly. Um, and uh, I noticed a new uh, one-off book, uh, uh, Mary McScary, um, which is uh, a collaboration with Mark Brown, um, and uh, I'm trying to figure out why I need it, because uh, I, like, but maybe it just because I do. Um, so please join me. In, oh, I should say, um, uh, Bob Stein will speak, uh, and then um, there'll be Q and A, &A facilitated uh, by our staff here, and then there'll be. Um, a uh, signing uh, afterwards. Um, so uh, please join me in welcoming R.L. Stein. Thank you. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Everyone's so nice. Thank you all for coming. I have a horrible cold, so you're all in trouble tonight. Um, how nice to be here. Uh, whenever I talk to people, I always like to start out by reading a poem by another author. This is a poem by Shel Silverstein, and it's called Haunted. And the reason I like this poem is that it's scary and it's funny at the same time, which is what I try to do with my books. Haunted. I dare you all to go into the haunted house on Howland Hill, 
where squiggly things with yellow eyes peek past the wormy windowsill. We'll creep into the moonlit yard where weeds reach out like fingers and through the rotted old front door a squeaking on its hinges, down the dark and whispering hall, past the musty study, up the winding staircase, don't step on the step that's bloody, through the secret panel to the bedroom where we'll slide into the ragged, cobweb, dusty bed ten people must have died in. And the bats will screech, and the spirits will scream, and the thunder will crash like a horrible dream, and we'll sing with the zombies and dance with the dead and howl at the ghost with the axe in his head. And come to think of it, what do you say we go get some ice cream instead? <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I love that poem. Um, here's why I'm especially glad to be here tonight. Okay, this is why I'm especially glad. A few weeks ago, I did a book signing in New York, and a teacher came up to the table, and she said, can I have my picture with you? The kids all think you're dead. <laughs> That's why, I don't know, I'm having bad luck. I was uh, at my hotel uh, this afternoon, and I was walking out, and a woman stopped me, and she said, did anyone ever tell you you look a lot like R.L. Stein? No offense. She said, she said, no offense. I'm having a bad streak here, I think. This, listen, this is a fan letter. Here, it's real. This is a fan letter I got a couple weeks ago. All right? Dear R.L. Stein, I love your books. You're like the scariest man on earth. I want to know everything about you. Do you have hair? Why? Really? Love, love faith. <laughs> One of the great things about being me is the amazing mail I get from kids. I get wonderful letters. I thought maybe you'd like to hear. Are there any kids here tonight? Are there kids? Yeah? Oh, maybe I'll do something for kids in a minute. I, I know what I am to the rest of you. I'm nostalgia. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's true. How would you like to be nostalgia, really? <laughs> that, took, that took a long time to get used to. Here, these are all real letters. I didn't make anything up. These are real letters from kids. Dear R.L. Stein, I don't know if you remember me or not, but when you came to my school, I'm the one who stepped on your foot. <laughs> I did remember that kid. <laughs> Dear R.L. Stein, I love your books, but I'm having trouble keeping up with them. Do you think you could stop writing for a while? <laughs> love the enthusiasm. <laughs> Dear R.L. Stein, you are my second favorite author. <laughs> that was the whole letter. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Talk about keeping you in suspense, right? <laughs> this is from an adult. 
I was inspired to write a story called The Ghost Flight, but I don't know how to start it or what the plot is. <laughs> Since you're an expert on these stories, I was hoping you could figure out a plot and start it for me. <laughs> Dear R.L. Stein, I'm your biggest fan. I read your book so much, I need my parents to escort me to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't really get that one, do you? I don't know. I don't really get it. Dear R.L. Stein, I'm not that smart, but I like your books. <laughs> Dear R.L. Stein, I'm a big fan of your Fear Street books. I've read 21 of them. I have just one question for you. Why do they end without making sense? <laughs> I, uh, when Jim was introducing me and he mentioned Fear Street, it got like big applause over there. And I wonder why, why do people always applaud for killing teenagers? <laughs> no, really, what is that? Everyone loves to kill teenagers. <laughs> Dear R.L. Stein, in the 18th book of Goosebumps Horrorland, one character you wrote about described me perfectly before I got my haircut. <laughs> Did you possibly see me somewhere? Maybe you've heard me tell my all-time favorite letter, because I've told it a lot. This is my all-time, it's from a boy. Dear R.L. Stein, I've read 40 of your books, and I think they're really boring. <laughs> well, it's great to be back in Toronto. I spent a lot of time. You know, the Goosebumps TV show was shot here in Toronto. Yeah, I know. So I was here a lot in those days. We shot at an old Molson brewery, and uh, that's where they were all done. It was totally a Canadian production. And I used to, um, I think we used every kid in Canada <laughs> in the thing. Everyone loves seeing 12-year-old Ryan Gosling in Say Cheese and Die, right? <laughs> But I used to do book signings in the United back home, and every, kids would come up and say, how can I be on the Goosebumps show? How can I be on the show? And I'd say, well, you have to be Canadian. And every time they said, what's that? <laughs> That's a, a tribute to the American school system. <laughs> no one knew. <laughs> you know, the very first uh, Goosebumps show that we shot was The Haunted Mask. That's the first one. You know that story? Yeah, she has one. She brought one. <clears throat> um, that was the very first one we did. And I, if, if you, I don't know if you've seen it. How many of you have seen it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's about a girl named Carly Beth who wants to be scary at Halloween time, and she puts on this green mask and it sticks to her face. She can't get it off. It just becomes part of her, and it turns her evil. 
We actually had, we had a wonderful young actress playing Carly Beth here named Catherine Long, and her friend Sabrina on the show was played by Catherine Short. <laughs> I, I, it's not that interesting, but I, you know, I thought it was a, a little strange. Well, I'll tell you, maybe I'll tell you one behind-the-scenes filming story. We had, um, maybe you remember, very early in the show, two boys are teasing Carly Beth in the lunchroom, and they give her a sandwich with a worm in it. And she doesn't know it, and she takes it and eats it. And we were getting ready to film this scene. We had the lunchroom, and we made a sandwich with a plastic worm. And we put it down on the set, and the actress playing Carly Beth came to us, and she said, you know, I don't think I can do this scene with a plastic worm. I think I need a real worm. So we said, okay. And we went out and we got a real worm and we put a worm in the sandwich and we put it down on the set and we started to film and the two boys gave her the sandwich and she bit into it. And she, and you, you wanna hear the really sad part? The really sad part? We had to shoot the scene 12 times. <laughs> 12 worms. That's true. <laughs> anyway, that was fun. I just had the most wonderful tour of the Guillermo del Toro uh, exhibition here. It's kind of overwhelming. And I just, how many of you have seen it and walked through? It's really. <laughs> It's really unbelievable, and I look and I say, he obviously doesn't live in an apartment, <laughs> right? I live in an apartment in New York, because I can't collect any, I don't have room to collect anything. It's just an amazing um, display, and I like seeing all the, I'm a big Hellboy fan. I love, I love Hellboy, and uh, so it was great to see all the Hellboy stuff. I actually did, um, when I was a kid, there were these great comic books called Tales from the Crypt and the, the, the Vault of Horror and the Witch's Cauldron. They were gruesome, horrible comics. Just awful and wonderful artwork, but gruesome stories. And I just loved them. And they had a big stack of them at the barber shop where I get a haircut. And this is true. I used to go every Saturday morning and get a haircut so that I could, I had less hair then than I do now, so that I could read these comic books. And one day I bought a couple of them and I brought them home and my mother stopped me at the door and she said, well, you can't have these, you can't bring these into the house. And I said, why, what do you mean? She said, this trash, this is trash, you can't have that. So I liked them ever since, of course. And, and they used to go get a haircut every Saturday. This year, I actually, I got to write my first comic books for Marvel. It was sort of a life's dream. Um, the editor called me from Marvel and said, uh, would you like to do some comics? And they sent me a list of characters that they weren't using. And she said, you know, pick one and you can do like a five comic series. So I was excited and I picked this swamp monster called Man-Thing. And it's, uh, I don't know why, I just like swamp monsters. 
I've always, I did a, um, a Goosebumps last year called Here Comes the Shaggity about a swamp monster. There's something very basic about this creature coming up from the swamp and rising up from the muck. So I picked this character, Swamp Thing. It was the ugliest character Marvel ever had. Just looks like a garbage heap. <laughs> I guess that's why it appealed to me. And I, I started working on it. And uh, I was talking to the editor. And um, I said, what do you want to call the comic book? And she said, well, we'd like to call it R.L. Stein's Man Thing. <laughs> and it, No, it, it didn't occur to me there was anything wrong with that. <laughs> I, I, I was so happy to have my name on the cover, right? And uh, it just didn't dawn on me. See, you're all laughing, but I said, great, and I called my wife, Jane. I said, Jane, they want to call it R.L. Stein's man thing. She said, I, I don't think so. That's like, <laughs> I had to call them back, you know, and <laughs> had to change it. But it was, this was very exciting for me, and uh, that was a lot of fun doing the comics. It was, I really enjoyed seeing all of the uh, Hellboy stuff downstairs. It's really it's an amazing display, just awe-inspiring. Um, tell the truth. How many of you came tonight because you thought you'd see Jack Black? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> tell the truth. I think that's why I'm getting big crowds these days. I think, no, people think they're going to see Jack, <laughs> right? Anyway, how many of you saw the Goosebumps movie? Oh, thank you. Nice. I got lucky. It turned out good, right? <laughs> that's, that's luck. But um, uh, that was a lot of fun, and Jack was terrific. Jack and I are like twins, right? I thought he was very funny. When we were talking about, in the very beginning, getting the movie together, uh, they were talking about who should play me in the film. And um, I asked my son, Matt, I said, Matt, who do you think should play me in the Goosebumps movie? And he said, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> not, not too helpful. And then uh, they were talking to Jack Black about it, and I put it on Twitter, and I said, Jack Black to play me, what do you think? And a lot of people wrote back, and they said, oh, he's wonderful, he's hilarious. Oh, your movie is made, it's great. And then some people wrote back and said, he sucks, you're doomed, it's, your movie's ruined already. And then a few people wrote well, and said, well, you should play yourself in the movie. Who could play you better than you? And so I went to my wife, Jane, and I said, Jane, you know, a lot of people think I should play myself in the Goosebumps movie. And she said, you're too old to play yourself. <laughs> said, That's horrifying, right? <laughs> Partly because it's true. Jane's job is to keep me humble. That's, if you're a writer, that's your wife's job is to keep you humble. And she's very good at it. Once I was on the Today Show in New York, and it went really well. It was just a great interview. And I got home, and there was a note from Jane on my desk. It said, you are great, now plunge the toilet. 
See, she, knew, she was doing her job. And my whole family, I think, is they're designed to keep me humble. My son, Matt, you know, my son's claim to fame is that he never read one of my books. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, isn't that horrible? He was the right age and everything. He never read one. He just, just to make me nuts. <laughs> he used to bring them in to his friends at school. And he would, then he would come home and he'd say, Dad, you have to put James in the next one. Or, Dad, you have to put Will in the next one. He was selling parts and goosebumps. <laughs> they were paying him like 10 bucks to be in the next book. And he never even read one. He read only Garfield comics <laughs> his whole childhood. That's all he read. And then he went off to college, and he was an English major. So, <laughs> and he did fine. So I, can, I recommend Garfield. But that was that. I, my nephew, too, has also joined in in keeping me humble. Uh, my nephew, Sam, I think he was, I guess he was eight or nine years old. And I was very lucky this year, that year, it was a while ago, I won the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award. And I was very excited to win it because like 50 million kids had voted. So it was a really nice award. And I called Sam up and I said, Sam, how would you like to go to LA with me and go to the Nickelodeon Awards? And he said, oh no, if I knew you were going, I would have voted for you. <laughs> he voted for Shel Silverstein. <laughs> it's true. I took him to LA anyway, but I left him there. <laughs> what can I do? I'll do something for the kids. Actually, and then I'm going to read a short story, maybe. And then some other things, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, this is, for, this is a quiz, all right? This is, the, is it a real Goosebumps book or a fake? I'm going to read you titles, and you can just shout out, okay, whether you think it's real or a fake. We'll try it. One, Son of Slappy. <laughs> Real. Two, Frosty the Abominable Snowman. <laughs> Fake. The Barking Ghost. Morons from Mars. What do you think? That's fake, but I think, wouldn't that be a good Goosebumps title? <laughs> Morons from Mars, you know, and I sent it down to my editor at Scholastic, Morons from Mars, and he said, no, you can't do that. It might offend the morons. <laughs> so <coughs> it was disappointing. It came from my nose. Fake. Creature teacher. <laughs> You're too good. You're too good. The haunted toilet. Frankenstein's dog. You're getting them all. Someone's getting them all. <laughs> a ghost wears my socks. <laughs> I, I think this is getting out of control. I, no, we, we have to stop that. We have to stop it. That's too much. Here, if I can find it. This is a, since we're talking about, I'm supposed to talk about monsters, right? We didn't quite get around to the topic. 
if I, here's a story about a monster. It's really short. It's called, Joe is not a monster. Joe is not a monster. Believe me, I know Joe better than anybody. Joe is a sweet guy. He is a pussycat. He wouldn't hurt a flea. How did the nasty rumors get started? I really don't know. Someone at Joe's school must have started them. Someone at Joe's school whispered to someone else that Joe was a monster, and the rumor spread. Now the whole school is against Joe. The braver kids shout, hey, monster, when Joe walks past. Someone wrote monster on Joe's locker. Someone tucked a wind-up toy monster in his backpack. Because of the ugly rumors, no one will hang out with Joe. Joe eats by himself in a corner of the lunchroom. No one will choose him for after-school soccer games. No one will dance with him at the school dances. No one even talks to him in the halls or in class. Yesterday, a big kid from the upper school punched Joe really hard in the chest and said, go away from here, monster. Joe cried all the way home. Let me tell you something about Joe. He is very hurt by these rumors. Joe has feelings, just like everyone else. Joe wants to have friends. He really wants people to like him. Joe is a nice guy. He is kind and generous. He can be a good friend. Joe didn't ask me to speak for him, but I'm speaking out anyway. I want to set things straight once and for all. Joe is not a monster, not a monster. How do I know so much about Joe? Well, that question is easy to answer. No one is as close to Joe as I am. No one knows Joe better than I do because I am Joe's second head. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I thought I would answer some of the questions that I'm most asked by people, and then we'll open it up to you and you can ask me questions. Um, the question, of course, that I'm most asked is, where do you get your ideas? I think every author, is just everybody asks it. Kids ask it, reporters ask it, everyone. I think just two-thirds of my mail, seriously, starts like this. Dear R.L. Stein. Our teacher is forcing us to write to an author. <laughs> I chose you. Where do you get your ideas? <laughs> and it happens everywhere. I, was in, uh, I did a book tour in China. Goosebumps is really popular in Mandarin edition now in China. I had a wonderful time. The kids were just great. And um, there'd be a long line of kids, and they all want to show off their English. So they would come up to the table in the bookstore. They say, how do you do? Where do you get your ideas? One after the other. And I turned to the woman from my, a woman from my Chinese publisher who was helping me with the signing. I said, if one more kid says, where do you get your ideas, I'm going to kill myself. And so we went on with the signing, and we went on, and then a boy asked her something in Chinese, and she said, go kill yourself. So... <laughs> Because <coughs> you don't, you know, you don't really know where, where, I, where do ideas come from. You don't really know. Um, I, I could be walking my dog in the park, and these words popped into my head: "Say cheese and die." 
It's like, why? Where did, where did that come from? And so I'm walking the dog and say cheese and die. And then I think, well, you know, what if there's an evil camera? What if there's uh, some kids discover it? And what if it takes pictures of bad things that happen in the future? And that's how that book got started. Um, once I was in the airport in L.A., and I was watching this family say goodbye to their son. He was nine or ten, and he'd never flown by himself before. And he was flying all by himself, and he was, he was fine, of course. The parents were horribly nervous. The parents kept hugging him and kissing him and saying, you'll be okay, don't worry. He wasn't worried, but I could see. But it was a dramatic scene, and I'm watching them. And at, finally, the kid turned to go to the gate and get on the plane, and his father handed him a white envelope. I'm watching, and I, and I thought, I'm watching this, I thought, um, what if the kid gets on the plane, and he sits down, he opens the envelope, and there's a note inside, and he takes the note out and reads it, and it says, we are not your parents. <laughs> That's good, right? That's good, I know. But where, where did that idea come? Where did it come from? You know, it was a real-life thing. People, people always ask me, does anything in real life ever inspire a Goosebumps story? And I have to tell you, I think only one, I can only think of one Goosebumps story that ha I thought of because of something that was really happening. And it happened to my son, Matt, when he was little. That's where it started. I'm watching him, he was in a room, he was a little guy, it was Halloween time, and he was down on the floor, and he tried on a green rubber Frankenstein mask, and he pulled it down over his head, and he couldn't get it off. And I'm watching from the doorway, and he's tugging, he's tugging, and I thought, what a great idea, I should have helped him, right? <laughs> I didn't win the Good Parent Award, but I went, I started making notes, notes, and that, <laughs> that became the haunted mask. But that's about the only one I can think of that happened from something in real life. Um, people then always, people always ask, what scares you? What's the scariest? What? And I never had a good answer for it. I had to think about it. What scares you? And I, I, came, I remember two really scary moments in my life where I can think of two where I really was genuinely scared. And one of them involved Matt again when he was a little kid. And um, I took him, we go every year to the New York Automobile Show at the big convention center in New York. And he was like four or five, a little tiny guy. And I took him to the car show, it's like hundreds of cars and thousands of people and I lost him. That was scary. See, that was, it was like this incredible moment of panic. I'm looking, and the whole thing maybe lasted 20 seconds, whole time, but it's just horrible, frightening moment, he was gone. And then I spotted him standing over by a car, and I went running over, I said, Matt, Matt, are you okay? And he said, where were you, Dad? I was about to call the manager. See, he's a New York kid. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about him, right? He's going to call the manager. Well, that was one really scary time. And the other one was at Halloween time, and this magazine in New York, Time Out Magazine, 
asked me if I would go around to three or four of these pop-up Halloween haunted houses that pop up at, at Halloween time. You know, they're, they're filled with actors, and they're covered with blood, and they're carrying hatchets, and their intestines are coming out. And you go from, you walk from room to room. Do you have, you have those here, right? Yeah? And there are a whole bunch of them in New York. And um, they're creepy. And they said, would you come in and uh, review them? And I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. I'll do it. And so I showed up. And there was another guy that they had asked to come along with me. And he was, uh, he was interesting looking. He was a big guy, and he had sort of red, he was red-faced. And he had black hair slicked back. And eyebrows, very arched, pointed eyebrows. And a black goat, he looked like the devil. <laughs> right? And it turned out he was the head of the satanic church. And I thought, great, this is just great for a children's author to be walking around, right, with the head of the satanic church. But I, you know, I'm a good sport. So we went around to these haunted houses, and I um, had this moment. There was one where you walk into a room, and the actor, you know, it's not really scary. There's screams coming from everywhere. And, people running around, and, um, but I walked into one room that was totally black. There was no light of any kind. You just walk in, you push in through this rubber wall, and you're in total blackness. And I just stood there. It was, oh, it was like being blind, you know? And it was like, you don't know how big the room is. Can I go forward? Is there something in front of me? Is there something? And I, I was just paralyzed. It was a really frightening moment. I couldn't move. And then I felt this hand reaching back for me and taking my hand and pull, the head of the satanic church pulled me out of the darkness, <laughs> right? <laughs> he was such a nice guy. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But those were like two really scary, scary moments. Um, what it was, what, what else do I want to talk about? Maybe I'm going to let you talk for a while. I've had, um, I've had amazing luck. People always ask me for advice. Young people, they say, what, what advice do you have for young writers? Or what advice do you have? And I don't really have much. Um, I, I started writing when I was nine years old. I found this typewriter up in the attic. And I started typing little joke magazines and little magazines and typing stories and things. I'd just be in my room. I was a weird kid. And I, my mother would stand outside my door and say, what's wrong with you? Go outside and play. Go outside. Worst advice I ever got, right? Stop typing and go outside. <laughs> Horrible advice. <laughs> and I'd say, well, it's boring out there. Type, type, type. And I, I always think that Young people who want to be writers are kind of like me, and they, they're driven to it. Um, and they don't really, you don't need to tell them, um, read a lot or write a lot. You don't have to tell them that, because that's what they want to do. But the one advice that I do have is say yes to everything. 
Just be open to everything. And I always tell young writers this. Um, everything that ever happened to me was just luck or my just saying yes to something. That nothing that I did was my idea. <laughs> it's this is embarrassing, right? I'm telling you an embarrassing story. Like being a scary guy wasn't my idea at all. I always was funny. I wrote about a hundred joke books for kids and I did a humor magazine. I never planned to be scary at all. Here, you want to hear one of my kids' jokes? <laughs> Why, you got so quiet in here, I, I think. <laughs> um, what do you get when you cross a dog with a frog? You get a dog that can lick himself from across the room. Come on, it's a kid's joke. Come on. Come on. And so being a scary guy wasn't, I, was someone else's idea. And if I had not said yes to everything at the time, I, it wouldn't have happened to me. I always said yes. People would call me up. I wrote uh, G.I. Joe books. I wrote Mighty Mouse, Rocky and Bullwinkle coloring books. I wrote uh, Bazooka Joe bubblegum jokes. I said, always just said yes to everything. And it worked out. And one day, I was having lunch with my editor at uh, Scholastic. And she was actually the editorial director. And she came in angry. She was angry. And she had had a fight with um, another, an author who wrote teen horror, who shall remain nameless, Christopher Pike. And, and she said, she said, I'm never working with him again. You could write a good teen horror novel. Go home and write a book called Blind Date. She even gave me the title, <laughs> right? That's how embarrassing the story is. And I wrote this book, Blind Date, and it came out a year, I, I ran right to the bookstore to find out what she was talking about. I didn't know what she meant teen horror. And I bought books by Christopher Pike and Lois Duncan and a whole bunch of other people and figured it out. And I wrote this book, Blind Date, and it came out and it was a number one bestseller. I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? I'd never been close to the bestseller list. A year later, I wrote a teen horror novel called Twisted. And it was a number one bestseller. And I said, forget the funny stuff. <laughs> I've been scary ever since. But it was just luck, I think, just you know, being able to say yes and uh, being open to things. So that's my one bit of advice. I've had so many wonderful moments writing this stuff and writing Fear Street and Goosebumps. Um, it's pretty amazing. There's an author who is really important to me. I've got to meet so many wonderful people, too. Um, when I was a kid, as I said, I read only comic books. That's all I read. And we used to carry around stacks of comic books. And one day, my mom dropped me off at the library. I, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And she dropped me off at this little library. And the librarian said, Bob, you like comic books. I have something else you might like. And she took me to a shelf of Ray Bradbury stories. And those stories just changed my life. I just couldn't believe how great they were. They were so imaginative and so beautifully written. 
and they all had great twist endings. And Ray Bradbury really turned me into a reader. And uh, many years later, after Goosebumps was on, I, I was at the LA Times Book Festival, and there was Ray Bradbury sitting in a publisher's booth eating a hot dog. <laughs> and my wife said, go say hello to him. Go ahead. And I said, oh, no, I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm basically pretty shy. And I said, oh, no, I couldn't. She said, come on, he was so important to you. Go over and say hello to him. I said, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and I went up to Ray Bradbury, and I was, I was like a kid. I was shaking like a kid. And I, I said, Mr. Bradbury, you're my hero. <laughs> and he said, well, you're a hero to a lot of other people. It was this, yeah, amazing moment, just a wonderful, the kind of moment I would wish for all of you as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we have some time for yes. our questions. So, questions. Um, the way the questions will go is just raise your hands loud. Can we have the magical house lights up. We'll bring you the microphone, and uh, that'll be great. So I see a question right here. What was your favorite uh, Goosebumps monster you ever written? Favorite monster? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess Slappy the Evil Dummy. I have to like Slappy. I, I, um... <laughs> I've written 12 Slappy books. Do you believe that? If you think it's easy to come up with plots for a dummy that comes to life and then no one knows it and then they do know it, <laughs> it, it gets harder and harder. I, this week I had to come up with an idea for the next Slappy book. I'm doing The Ghost of Slappy. <laughs> Maybe he dies. <laughs> no, I can't do that. But yeah. Go ahead. Um, when you start a book, do you like plan it? Do you already know what's happening during the whole book, or do you uh -huh. like start writing it, then stop, and then like come up with it on the way? I never start writing, ever. I never start writing a book. Just sit down and write. I outline every. People hate outlines. I outline every single book I write first. I do chapter one. This is what happens. This is how the chapter ends. Chapter two. This is what. And I have the. When I sit down to write the book, I know everything that's going to happen in the book. I've done all the thinking already. I've done the hard part, and then I can just have fun with the writing, because I have it all mapped out. I have some adult Thank questions, you. too. That was, that was excellent, excellent question. Um, so I saw on, uh, on social media that you did an interview um, a little while back, and someone had asked if you met Christopher Pike. You said yes, and that you had a really weird day together in the 90s. So I want to hear what a weird day for R.L. Stein is like. Yeah. <laughs> Did I really say that? That's horrible. <laughs> I, I never learn, you know? No, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, I... Uh, no, we had a good time. We were at some convention or something together for Simon and Schuster. And we had a really nice, I'll, I'll tell you the story. And then <laughs> we had a really nice day and we were talking about writing this stuff and, 
And then at the end of the day, he said, uh, can I ask you something? Why do you steal all of my plots? <laughs> that was the weird part. <laughs> I've never told that story to anybody. <laughs> yes, who's... <laughs> How many books have you written? You know, I've it's obnoxious, but I've lost count. <laughs> I've written about... I've written 130 Goosebumps books, and maybe 100 Fear Streets. I keep going, but you know, we're doing new Fear Streets. And, and Fox is supposedly doing three Fear Street movies at once that'll come out one month after the other. But I haven't seen any scripts, so I don't know. I, maybe 300 books, 330 bo books. I don't know, I wouldn't know what else to do all day, you know? I'm just home with the dog. <laughs> I, was, I was reading Wanted the Haunted Mask, and... <laughs> yes. Chapter 8, um, it was a little bit disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> don't say it. Item chapter eight. What was chapter eight? It was um, <coughs> it was when um, the shop owner was trying to take off the mask and his whole face came off. That is disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you you hate when that happens, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, was a, that wasn't a question. I hope. <laughs> yes. I was wondering what um, other authors that you read right now that you might introduce uh, us I to. I read mostly thrillers and mysteries. Um, Harlan Coben is a thriller writer. He's a good friend of mine that I like. I, I'm in the international thriller writers, so I get to know all these people. I'm reading the new Michael Connolly book right now and enjoying it. I read mostly, I, I like old British mysteries. I think I've read every Agatha Christie and every Ruth Rendell book. I, that's, that's basically what I read. Sorry. Uh, sir, I have Mr. Stein. I have a few more than one question, but I'll start with just one for now. Um, this is another one relating to a specific book. In The Ghost Next Door, remember that one? I do. The one with Hannah, who shows yeah, shows from the movie. the movie. Yeah, some... In the book, not only does Hannah find out she's a ghost, but that she has to save Danny from dying in a fire, and some kind of strange shadow-like evil shadow version of Danny who wants to replace him or something. My question is, why was there a shadow creature following Danny? What exactly would, what exactly did, <laughs> was this thing supposed to represent? Was he death or the devil or whatnot? I can't answer your question. <laughs> I remember Hannah. I don't remember the shadow creature or anything. Come on, 300 books. Come on. I'm really, I can't answer that. Do you have a, what's your other question? Do you have a less specific question? <laughs> that was my saddest one. That's the saddest Goosebumps book. Sorry, I just you, wanted to ask. You spoiled um, the ending for sorry, everybody. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, for me too. 
Excuse, excuse me, I'm sorry. Are there any specific single Goosebumps books that you'd like to maybe do a follow-up or a sequel to in um, the original series? No, people keep asking for a sequel to Camp Jelly Jam, and I don't. That was my smelliest book, but I don't know how I'd ever do that. I I like I, you know sequels are kind of fun to do. I I wanted to do another Monster Blood sequel, but I can't think of a story. I might have done all that. But I, it's, it's weird. The sequels often do better than the originals. I don't really know why. It's a serious answer. <laughs> what monster do you think is the scariest out of all of your monsters? <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> you're, sca you're scaring me. <laughs> I think maybe the blob that ate everything. What do you think? <laughs> because it ate everything. <laughs> Who has a good question? <laughs> Who has a um, What is your least favorite Goosebumps book? Um, the Barking Ghost and The Haunted Car. They're both terrible. <laughs> Come on, they can't all be great, <laughs> right? Aren't you surprised I had an answer ready for that? <laughs> Hello. Hi, hi. Um, so when I was younger, I ripped off a lot of your stories in my writing classes, and nice. I did really well. I write now, nice. so there you go. Yeah, um, So I was hoping now that I'm doing my master's, you can help me with that. Um, oh, sure, I'll be there. I'll be right you. there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm actually, I'm even going to record your answer. <laughs> Here we go. We're set. All right. So why do you think there is, like, monsters are always popular, um, but there's, like, this resurgence in pop culture right now. Like, even Mattel is getting in on it with, like, Monster High. Why do mm -hmm. you think monsters and horror, like, are so relevant? Oh, uh, seriously? Yeah, no, for uh, real. When the real world gets scary, people like to turn to fantasy. Oh, thank you. That's, That's what I think. I'm quoting That's, you, okay? What? I'm gonna I'm gonna quote feel, you. You're gonna get cited. Feel free. I, Thanks, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, I really believe that. I mean, people always like horror. People since you know, Neanderthal days. People, you know, the earliest cave stories had to be drawings of monsters and things. But uh, when the real world gets as scary as it is now. I think people really turn to horror because it's more manageable. A movie, you know, it's just a movie, right? Uh, hi, RL. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why did that get a laugh? <laughs> You've written so many amazing books for everyone here. We all love them so much. Um, I didn't know you wrote books until it was talked about tonight. I'm a big fan of the TV show. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. with finding out tonight that you write books uh, um, you, you must have made a lot of money so my question is how yeah. much money is in your bank account you see that is really rude <laughs> this is why I <laughs> I've been very lucky I'm a very lucky person and it's, you know, a lot of it is luck, believe me. 
That's right. When I go, I travel a lot, and I, when I do a lot of southern cities in the United States, and I know I'm in the South because kids never ask how much money I make, because <laughs> they're all polite in the South. They're all, <laughs> they're all <laughs> and, uh, you know, anywhere else I go, I get, how old are you and how much money do you make? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. All right, a couple more. Who has really good question? We have time for a few more. How long does it take for you to write one book? Um, it takes me one week to outline a Goosebumps book and two weeks to write it. I write, um, I'm really like a, you know, it's like factory work. I, no, seriously, I write five or six days a week, and I write 2,000 words a day, which is about 10 pages. And I write my 2,000 words, and I quit, no matter where I am. I just stop at 2,000 words, and then I get up and walk the dog. And that's how I, that's how I can write so many books, because I just I keep at it. It's, I keep at it every day. Yes. Uh, um, what, in, in your fan mail, in yes. your fan mail, in, in, there was the one about Goosebumps Horrorland, uh -huh. but um, he said book 18, but, I th but doesn't it only go up to 14 books? Good night, everyone. <laughs> and, and what happened in chapter eight? <laughs> yeah, a lot. I, there, I think there, there weren't 18 books. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look. I'd have to go back. I appreciate the correction. I, I think we have t about time for two more questions. Two more, okay. Before we have a signing. Uh, which will happen at the back of the room. Yeah, so we're I look looking forward for, to meeting everyone. We're back looking there. for two questions from grown-ups. So is there one back there? Just yeah. like older, oh. older than eight. Hi, um, <laughs> I'm definitely older Where than eight. Where are you? I can. Uh, I was wondering because they're so juxtaposed. Uh, how, why comedy lends so well to horror and vice versa? That's a really good question. I've always thought there's a really good, very close connection between humor and horror. And the truth is, I, I never get scared at books or movies. I don't know why. I go to a horror movie, and I'm the one who's laughing in the audience. I'm laughing. A horror always makes me laugh. And I think it's the same visceral reaction. Um, when you go to an amusement park and you go up to a roller coaster, you hear people screaming and laughing at the same time. And uh, I think it's that. If you go up to someone and you creep up on them and go, boo! First they gasp, right? And then they laugh. So I think it's the same visceral, it's very close. Very nice question. And one more, one last one. Last question, okay, I've got one over here. It's been very patiently waiting. Ahem, uh, Mr. Stein, as yes. someone who's been reading your books a lot in my childhood, of all the monster designs that I've looked at over the years. Well, the one that stood out to me the most is probably King Jelly Jam. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where did you get the idea for a design like that? Um, from Jabba the Hutt. 
<laughs> That's it. Perfect, perfect answer. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank okay. you.